Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. This is Sipping Tea with Nat and Z. I'm Nat. And I'm Z. So how how how's your week been? You know, how's everything? Well, you know, it's been all right. Kind of just right. trying to ease back into life after last week and, you know, being hospitalized or whatever. So I'm trying to just have a cup of tea a day and enjoy as much as I can. Um, enjoy is relative, but take some time for myself to recover. So what about you? Um, this week has been, I don't know, this week was a little challenging for me and a little apropos because of what we're actually going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, you know, was my grandmother's birthday and my mother's birthday. Mm-hmm. Both have, you know, since passed, my grandmother's death being a little bit more recent. So this week was a little challenging and they're a day apart. So one was like Wednesday, right. the next was Thursday. So it was a lot for me to kind of get through Process. this week. Right. So, you know, um, but it's it's comes up on the topic of what we're talking about today. So, you know, I think that this is going to be a great topic. It's going to probably reach a lot of people. Um, I know a few people in our lives um, have experienced some loss this week, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just trying to have this conversation in a very holistic way, um, Mm -hmm. Not from a therapeutic way, meaning we're not therapists, so we're not right. going to tell people how to grieve or if they're grieving properly, but just having the conversation because I think it's something that we don't talk about, especially Black people. We don't talk Grief about is, it enough. No, we do not. We don't. we don't. And it's consistent. Everybody has it. Yes. Yes. Everybody. You know, it's a everybody great going through it. equalizer. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You know? Yes. So. So like um, Z alluded to, the episode five, this is, uh, the topic is called the gravity of grief. Yeah. And um, all the things that come with it and the reality of uh, a lot of us don't talk about it, like she said. So it's definitely something to sit back and think about. And I hope you all get something out of this episode. So moving on to the tea of the day. Yes. Disclaimer. So, um, you know, we are not tea experts. You should speak to your doctor when drinking herbal tea as there are potential side effects when mixed with some medications. The tea should not be a substitute for medication. We're not affiliated with any of these companies, nor are these endorsements. So what is the tea on the table today? So the tea on the table today is Psycho Candy. Made for August Uncommon Tea. The flavor has darkly sweet rubos with pumpkin and caramel. That sounds tasty. Mm-hmm. Tastes like baked pumpkin, salted butter caramel, golden syrup. This is a nice fall one. Yeah. Feels like a brisk walk under a harvest moon, which is courtesy of the pack itself. Caffeine-free herbal tea. And it tastes like a hug in a cup which I think is quite apropos for the topic of discussion today. Yes. I um actually purchased this tea. I did a sample from the company August um, Uncommon Tea. So I bought about maybe 12 or four sample packs. I mean, mm-hmm. 12 or four. You hear, you hear that? See, this is this is why this week has been 12 or four. 12 or four. What kind That's of new math is that? And <laughs> new math these poor children I have to, to, to contend with. <laughs> It's 12 or 14. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Pack. 
of sample teas and you get about four um, cups out of each tea. It's loose leaf. So mm-hmm. you only should purchase leaf. it. Loose leaf is the best tea. Honestly, yeah. let's be real. I um, mean, love that. It just adds un- so much more flavor and depth to your tea. It makes me feel bougie. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> so bougie. Loose leaf makes me feel bougie. But it's, you know, I would say this. I drank this this week, and it actually did feel like a hug in a cup. Like I felt when I was drinking it, it made me feel comforted. It made me feel good. Like you said, it it made me feel. It reminded me of fall, mm-hmm. which is my favorite season we of are, the year. Yes. Z's favorite season is like fall to the end's power, y'all. Yes, you don't understand. You just, fall is she like, is siced for fall when it comes. I'm all about fall. I feel sorry for my daughter because she's I mean, gonna be booted and booted for all in them, a scarf <laughs> and some riding boots. <laughs> fall is the I love to show out in fall, but um, like I it said, the it best really, fashion though. It does like summer. Spring is my next favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, give me fall all day, baby. Give me fall all day. <laughs> um, but the tea actually, I actually drank it um on my grandmother's birthday. Mm-hmm. And it did make me feel it all actually almost reminded me of her. It just kind of reminded me because, right. you know, the fall was both of our favorite seasons. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just you know, made me feel just like good, brought back good memories. I was like, you know, just thinking about her and I just, you know, um, drinking, me mm-hmm. drinking um, tea, her probably having a, a orange juice and vodka, but that's okay. Yes. Her grandma, y'all, was one of the feistiest <laughs> women I have ever met in my life. She is a trip. And that's why she would be drinking the orange juice and vodka. The orange juice and vodka. (laughs) Heavy on the vodka. (laughs) Light on the OJ, just a splash. Just a splash. Yes. So, you know, it just, you know, it just made me um, have good memories. It helped bring back good memories. So if you're looking for a good, I mean, and they have great flavors. So it's the um, August Uncommon Tea Company. Um, I, I, highly suggest you try it out like I said you can purchase samples and it wasn't that costly to do the samples and then you know you can buy them in um, different sizes as well so you know if you're in the market for a new loose leaf tea with like great flavors definitely Mm -hmm. definitely check them out Um, so let's just get right on into the hot tea of uh, the day Mm -hmm. so let's start out with new music Um, Pharrell oh yes Pharrell featuring Jay-Z. They dropped yes. a, um, a song called Entrepreneur. Oh. And the song, it for me, when I first heard it, I didn't see the visuals. So uh-huh. I gave it about a solid three and a half tea leaves, right? Okay. All um, right. But then I saw the visual and it elevated it to five tea leaves. For me. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, because the song in the video, it celebrates Black entrepreneurs and it actually shows real life, you know, business owners, Black business owners um, in the video. So it showed, yes, it showed people like Issa Rae, who, you know, has uh, her production company. She has like a tea house that she has. um, Oh, uh, yeah, she has a tea house. I think it is our coffee shop in Inglewood in California. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, it talks about Nipsey Hussle. It, um, 
also um, showed Honeypot founder B. Dixon. Oh, really? That's yeah. great. Yes. So for those of you who are listening, if you don't know um, who B. Dixon is, um, Honeypot is a organic feminine product company that's run by a black woman. And that Target took up and made a commercial about her. Yes. And people were up in arms. About uh, it. People, yes. Uh, melanated deficient people were up in arms about it um and they started to flood like review sites with negative reviews and they hadn't even tried the products right so of course black twitter mm. came in and saved the day always and, black twitter to the rescue yes um and her sales shot up 30 percent. now i saw somewhere else that said 500 percent. so it would it was somewhere between 30 to 500 percent for sale. <laughs> That's and let me bad. tell you, it's that new bag. I I purchased about $150 worth of products from this woman. Yes. Because of the fact that, you know, just because she mentioned the f- black girls in a Target commercial, Hello. really, we have to like flood this site with negative reviews. That's like, yeah, exactly. So I didn't, I bought up a whole bunch of her products. So yeah. we've been um, liking them for a while for um, yeah. our. our my other endo sisters and our endo black sisters, we support um, some of her products as well because it helps with our situation and health challenges with it, the endometriosis tip. Yes. And it's great. Her products are absolutely great. And I've been moving more towards natural products mm-hmm. anyway, like natural deodorant, Definitely. natural feminine products. Oh, that's clothes. another show. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I've been specifically... Um, looking for black owned companies. So um, definitely if you're not familiar with Honeypot and you check still need out. those products, check her out. Um, and this video and this, this uh, song also comes on the heels of Pharrell. He curated the times um, magazine special issue, the new American revolution. Mm. And so the issue features essays by b- various black leaders and influencers. So ahead, I mean, go ahead, Pharrell. Like I, you know, I love her. I love the Neptune. So he rarely does anything wrong to me. So he's a and genius. Just... He's a lyrical genius production wise. He's just, he's wait, got wait. It. Now I wouldn't go so far. <laughs> well, if you're curating for the, for curating the songs that he's doing, I'll say that he, he sets the mood for those lyricists to put down their track. Okay. There you go. All right. Gotcha. I'll qualify gotcha. that. I'll qualify right. that. I'll qualify. <laughs> yes. Um, so something else that just released, um, Nas released a new album, um, The King's mm-hmm. Disease. I give this initially when I heard it, I was like, oh, it's about three and a half tea leaves, mm-hmm. but I've listened to it now about three times. It gets a solid four tea leaves from me. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. My favorite song so far in the album is 27 Summers, but it's the shortest song. It's like a minute and 42 seconds, but mm-hmm. that by far is, is my favorite um, on the album. Um, so what to watch if you're looking um, for something to watch um, and you haven't already. Netflix has this uh, movie out called Project Power. Who was supposed Jamie to watch Fox. that last night? <laughs> so good. I it's heard. So Will loved it. It's so good. It's with stars Jamie Foxx. Um, I definitely give that about four and a half tea leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, are into uh, reminiscing like we did last week right. um, about 90s music, 
Um, there are two uh, um, docu-series that are on BET. One just ended. So that was the No Limit Chronicles. Mm-hmm. It was a five-part docu-series about the rise and fall of No Limit Records. Right. Um, and then the Rough Rider Chronicles is actually on now. And it's a five-part series. And let me tell you, this series so far has given me a better understanding of DMX mm. and the addictions and problems that he continuously finds himself in throughout mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. He grew up terribly. And you can tell that that set the stage right. and the foundation yeah, for all of the behavior that he exhibited from probably his youth to now. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it, it made me a little bit more empathetic and a little bit more understanding. So okay. that's something, if you're into it, to check it out. Right. Um, and then speaking of <laughs> No Limit, <laughs> so apparently Monica and Master P are in like this IG beef right now. What? Over his Yes, over his brother, C-Murder. Um, so C-Murder was convicted in, I think, 2002 for a homicide that uh-huh. he has always claimed he did not commit. Okay. Um, his family has said he didn't commit it. Uh, he, there are witnesses who have since recanted their statements saying that he wasn't the one that killed this individual. His brother, Master P, has been trying to get him out of jail since. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, he's been, he got sentenced to life. Uh, if you watch the new No Limit Chronicles, you'll see some of this story play out in there. So uh, I guess Monica reconnected with C-Murder recently. And Monica and C-Murder actually dated um, during the height of Monica's career. Oh, okay. And uh, she spoke with Lala Anthony, who then mm-hmm. connected her with Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to get him out of prison. Okay. And Master P has an issue with this because C Murder has been saying like nobody has been helping him trying to get out. And his brother was like, um, yeah, I've been spending thousands and thousands of dollars for over two decades to try to get wow. you out. And the fact that you would say this is kind of suspect. And then C Murder also talks bad about his mom and his dad and other family members. Oh. And then kind of said that Kim Kardashian and Monica are like his angels, which you know, oh. see murder, yeah, which Ouch. then made Master P get a little petty and saying, like, how are you my brother's ride or die when you've been married twice since he's been in jail? <laughs> oh, this put all which, his stuff on front street. <laughs> which she's actually, if I'm not mistaken, only been married once, but she was in a long-term relationship that bore two children. Okay. But I understand his point. Like, how are you ride or die, but you've been in two whole-ass relationships since my brother's been in jail? But, um, you know, I just feel like let's focus on the important issue here is like if he's innocent, right. like trying to see if he could get out of jail. Like, you know, it's no, it's not necessary to do all this back and forth. I don't understand why people do all this social media beef anyway. Like, it's not necessary. They don't have nothing to do. Well, it's because of Rona, they just are bored and have nothing else. They don't have a party to go to. They just need to find something to Twitter beef someone about. Like, I don't. I guess. I don't know. I guess those are. I guess. I guess. But going from C-Murder Monica to Monica battling Brandy. So. <laughs> oh, dear. We talked about this recently. Right. Where we said Versus should have 
Yes. More women. Well, mm-hmm. they are. They're having Brandy and Monica August 31st. This is going to be epic Uh-oh. because, you know, they don't like each other. And at what? some point, that's, well, they, I don't, I know they didn't. I don't know if that beef has been squashed since then. Uh-huh. And Brandy just dropped a new album. Yeah. And Monica's about to drop a new album. And Brandy's oh. album is actually pretty good. It's, I heard. it's actually pretty good. I heard. Um, Monica, I mean, I'm, I'm. I'm hoping, you know, that the beef don't pop up because, you know, Monica, they call her Gunica. So, and you know, she slapped, she slapped Brandy. What? One. Yeah, she slapped Brandy, allegedly, but I believe it. And, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, but I believe it. Allegedly, but I believe it. So she, you know, and I know they had some issues after Whitney died. There were some words exchanged between the both of them. So, you know, I'm just hoping that so this more than the boy is mine, I see. Yes. I'm hoping that this brings other women to the table that may mm-hmm. have had some issues. Like maybe little Kim and Foxy can put it inside their beef. Oh and just wow, yeah. You know, Foxy up to just do it for the culture. Like just do it for Come the culture. I mean, what else we got to do? I mean, we can listen to some good music. Right. And just reminisce. Exactly. And Foxy's deaf anyway. So if Little Kim is throwing shade. She ain't like she's gonna hear it. So let's just she can read a teleprompter. <laughs> she can she can read um subtext. What do you call those things? Close I don't know. If she can read lips or close. I don't know. But I'm just saying. Like let's just do it for the culture. Let's just do it for the culture. So um, was that so all Megan, we got? No, we got Megan oh, Stallion. And okay. that's, oh, uh, that's right, Megan. Megan, because that was a lot. And this is going to be a lot. So Megan Thee Stallion is back in the news this week and not for WAP. Um, But she specifically came out and stated that Tory Lanez shot her. But I thought that that was already a given. I thought thought that that was already established. But apparently... A month ago. Yeah, she never actually said Tory Lanez shot me. Um, Oh, everything was alleged? I guess. But it was alleged, but I believed it. So... (laughs) I believed it. So she spoke out because she said she was tired of people lying on her and making up stories about what happened. And I think maybe in the first or second episode, we talked about, it was the first episode, Mm -hmm. what people said happened. Right. Um, And so she's just like, I'm over it. Yeah, you shot me. She said that she, they were arguing in the truck. She was in the front seat. He was in the back with his security and her friend. She got tired of arguing. She was about five minutes away from where she was staying. She gets out the truck and then he shoots her. And if you saw her IG live, he shot her in the back of the foot, which means she was walking away. So it kind of, and I guess his PR people have been going out saying all these extra things that kind of put her in a bad light. But she left. Um, And she was leaving, right. So she said the reason why she didn't just come right out and say anything is because she was sparing him because she didn't want him to get in trouble. Um, Um, She was trying to save him because of today's climate, because people are, you know, police are shooting first, asking questions later. Right. And she said, he shot me and I still tried to protect him because the police be killing us. Those were her words. And Mm. so here's where things just start to go absolutely left. People are coming for her and saying, well, why did he shoot you? Yeah, why did he shoot you? What you uh, do? And he didn't shoot you for nothing. So people maybe are now he has calling. anger management issues. Hello, maybe it's him. Just it 
Right. Why does you she don't, have to do something to ha- be shot? Like, I don't justify understand. being shot because that ret- that's not the type of rhetoric we need. With no, women. it's not. And then, you know, people call her a snitch, a clout chaser. She's been getting called a bitch, a hoe, and saying she's being desperate for attention. So because she me, got shot? Right. So you're a snitch because you're calling out your abuser? Right. Really? Is Who that you initially try to protect? Right. Because you know a black man in this country, in this climate, if the cops knew he had a gun, how, how would it have turned out? She wouldn't have been the only one shot? We know this. And that's the problem. Black women consistently, we protect our abusers. We protect. Yeah, we do. Those who wrong us, we do that. Multiple and it, times. It, it is. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this. If it was Ariana Grande that got shot, Kylie Jenner got shot. Mm. Oh, oh, totally me, different. Totally different. If he shot one of them, oh, you best believe he will be six feet under the jail right now. You understand Quick, what I'm uh, saying? They wouldn't have asked. Celebrities would have been out saying deport Tory Lane and having hashtag deport Tory Lane shirts mm. on it. Come on now. But here we are. Megan saying it and she's being called a snitch. There was more outrage over Kanye West interrupting <laughs> Taylor Swift's speech. That part. Then there is over Megan getting shot. Are you kidding me? And then being blamed for it. On right. the other side, I don't understand how how do we even get to that narrative that she says what she needed to say. Tory Lanez did not fess up, but you're in the truck. So what are you doing that would warrant you to be outside the truck and shoot someone who's already out the truck, and then that person gets blamed? Who knows? I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like this is doesn't what, even it defies logic. It does. And if you just look at the situation, and so you know, Tory Lanez apparently has had a history, allegedly has a history of being violent against women, allegedly, but I believe it. And he said he has a like his ex girlfriend came out and said that he abused her. Oh, he was kind of stalking her, showing up at her home um, unannounced, and she was felt like her life was at risk so and this was i forgot when this happened but come on like he clearly has anger issues because if the first thing and that's one other thing that i don't understand like just in general sense that why folks are so quick to pull a trigger because um a lot of our our younger individuals in this society have not been equipped with the skill set to to de-escalate and talk about you know, if you want to cuss her out, okay, but what did you, what provoked you to shoot her? Why did you think that was the only resolution at that point as a black man knowing toxic what, what the climate is? Toxic masculinity. That's the only thing I can, I can think of. Like, apparently now people are saying, well, he was high. He was off the... Who cares? You should be shooting anybody. So, so, right. So he was high and he was off Xanax. So now you just justify for shooting somebody? Like, you come anger on. Issues, sir. You got anger issues. And here's the thing like, you know, this happens, it's happening so much that there are, there is a conversation that is starting to happen now where a lot of Black women are talking about divesting themselves from Black male centered social justice issues because mm. they feel as though. They never, like, we show up, we're on the front lines marching, we're protesting, right. we're going to jail behind this. 
multiple on that jail thing. Right. We speak out against all types of injustices that could possibly happen to you or have happened to you. And then you turn around and you spit in our face. And it's something that needs to be talked about Mm -hmm. because we are at a point where black women are starting to feel as though our problems and issues are being constantly ignored. Yeah, I would agree with that. Or sidestepped. Exactly. And whether you want to hear it or not, you need us in the struggle. You need Mm -hmm. us. You need us. And if you continue to do these things, you're going to find yourself without the backbone. But the vilification of us as as a rule seems to be happening on multiple levels. Even even you know circling back to our other episode with Will and Jada, like she like they were quick to jump on her, um, regardless before they heard anything and the details. But had it been Will, it'd have been like oh you know yeah he he had an entanglement. Anyway, next on the news, it would have right. just you know and then her trying to defend herself and then just it seems that we get more often than not in certain situations we as black women we get vilified yes we get vilified through no fault of our own yes we step out and then then we get the tagline angry black woman because Mm -hmm. we've stepped out and we've we've spoken out against whatever injustices we see at the time and then we get a label slapped on us and then like with megan she gets labeled as a snitch because she's Speaking her truth when she was initially trying to cover somebody that he exactly. knew was in the wrong. Exactly, and all, and 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 this same time, TikTok six nine or TikTok, whatever that little boy <laughs> name is with the, the the rainbow color hair, really snitched for real. And everybody's snitched. like, "Oh, leave him alone! It's ain't no street code like da 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 da." Like, what right. in the world is? happening i don't understand but you know what for y'all who think that she's weird or whatever y'all i mean she's a snitch and she's like a cloud chaser y'all are weird y'all just really weird and y'all yeah it it makes me wonder so we're just supposed to suck it up and take it continuously for like the times we have generationally and just deal i don't know you know then we're not supposed to speak uh the truth to power of what's going on it's it's a that's a whole other show, folks. It is. It's a and whole we will other be, show. And we will be addressing it. You will have to touch upon that because mm-hmm. I tell you. But, man, there was a lot of hot tea there. We, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some good stuff in there. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll jump right into our tea time segment. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed our little tea time, our uh, little hot tea segment we just had. So stepping into tea time, as uh, Z and I had mentioned, our topic for today is the gravity of grief. Resiliency is basic human nature, but how do we deal with traumatic loss and grief and how do we process that? Trauma can impact someone to such an extreme that they just end up going through the motions of daily life. And they're just not alive. They're just, you know, they're they're just going through the motions. They're just living the life to to be in existence. And that flows into grief. And how do we process that? 
Grief is a natural response to loss. Some people will associate grieving with the death of a loved one, and that can sometimes be the most intense type of grief. But there are other events that lo- and losses that can initiate this type of response from somebody and um, trigger the grieving process in your life, such as the end of a relationship, fertility issues, challenges, miscarriages, the death of a pet, loss of a friendship, serious illness for yourself and or those of your loved ones, the loss of a dream, a job or a goal that you've been working for or towards, social justice issues like the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and Philando Castile. And then also looking at celebrity deaths and the impact that has, even though on those those folks we may not know personally, such as Nipsey Hussle, Kobe Bryant, and John Lewis. So circling back to that, Z and I wanted to touch upon some of those areas that have personal significance for us and touching upon the end of a relationship. You know, Z and I have both been in relationships that have ended. And some of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have. (laughs) And how they have ended is a whole other story for days. I mean, (laughs) we've known each other since we've been 17 and we're in our 40s now. So there's been a lot of relationships, a lot. Like we talked about last week with the with the um, heartbreak and the auntie anthems. Those end of relationships is where those auntie anthems definitely came into play. Right, because who that uh, like I said, that choreographing while I'm crying, crying <laughs> that is real. <laughs> Ooh, but you really do grieve. Um, I think some people, you know, they they make songs about it and may chide you or make fun of you for not getting over someone as as far as they think they should for the timing. But grief is individual. And all of us have a particular time to process the significance of what had transpired between ourselves and the person we were in a relationship with. I mean, it couldn't just be a romantic relationship. It could be a work relationship. It could be mm-hmm. a professional relationship. It's the end of a relationship in its entirety and all the facets that it has right. that definitely bring to bear that grief. Right. You know, for me, when I look at this list and I look at the the grieving process for me, you know, for me, the ones that hit me hard, because I've almost experienced everything on that list. Um, the one that hit me the the hardest is like the serious illness and, and health issues of loved ones and, you know, fertility issues. Um, and even like celebrity deaths, like today, I believe, or yesterday was Kobe Bryant's birthday. And that it's today. So, and so, you know, just rem- remembering, I can remember where I was when I heard that he had passed away. And that just overwhelming feeling that I had of just like, I didn't know him personally, but just how bad I felt and how like right. sad I felt. And it was for a whole bunch of reasons that didn't relate to me specifically, but because I had gone through the loss of a loved one, mm-hmm. I just knew and how his wife was feeling and how right. his kids were feeling and just feeling so bad about what I knew they were about to embark on. It's jarring. Um, it's very it jarring. Is. It's very jarring. Um, you know, just having um, 
knowing, grieving through my mom's cancer diagnosis and her illness and kind of just having to deal with that at such a young age and the impact that that had um, on me and still has on me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're going to talk about, yeah, how grief isn't always a a straight line it's not always mm-hmm. like you start and then you end and yeah, and that's it um and then going through the my grandmom's situation with dementia and having to watch her slowly slip away from mm-hmm. us um i grieved that whole time and you know we're going to talk about the grieving process in a little bit and um probably go a little bit deeper and how you and I probably grieve because I'm I'm pretty sure there's some going to be some similarities. Yeah, there's sure. probably going to be some differences as mm-hmm. as well. Um, but what about you, as far as this list is concerned? So the like you said, I pretty much have experienced um, all of them mm-hmm. at some point in time. the The two that probably stick out the most to me would be fertility issues. Um, so because I've I've kind of alluded to it before in um, other shows, I, I, I am living with stage four endometriosis and I did have adenomyosis and fibroids. And for most of my life, I was diagnosed when I was 19 and I was told at that age that I would not be able to conceive. And the, that was the first doctor who told me anything about that. And I was like, 19. I can't even have a drink yet. You tell me I can't have kids. Like it was, it's huge. You know, it was very impactful. It was the delivery of the information was not the most ginger. Um, The doctor, I was by myself. I was waiting for my parents. I was in a room and he just like laid it on me and he was like, you need to get a hysterectomy now because the endo is so severe that you just chalk it up. You're not going to be allowed to have kids. And if you do, you won't survive it because of your high risk for um, having a miscarriage, but the miscarriage itself would kill you. So that was a period of, you know, I've kind of put that out of my mind, I think, when I was 19, 20, because that was just way too heavy. And then I went through my respective um, and health challenges. And this feeds into the serious health challenges, because once I was diagnosed with this chronic, with these chronic illnesses, it's something that you never you know you're never going to get well from. Right. It's just something you wake up every day and you know it's there to be in pain every single day, to have the multiple amount of surgeries that I have, the recent hospitalization is all connected to that. So it's always, you always get reminded right. of what you're not capable of doing. Right. Um, so that was definitely, I would say, you grieve that. You grieve your body is betraying you. You grieve that you're... Mm. you're you want to be up and around and be ready to go someplace and you're set to go out. There's times when I've gone out with y'all and I'm dressed and I can't physically cannot go. Right. Um, sure. You know, and, and that, mm-hmm. I mean, even when we were in college, when we were going through a whole bunch of things, there were certain things that just were not, I was not able to finish. I was not mm-hmm. able to participate in and just grieving th- those things that I think a lot of folks take for granted. Yeah. That was huge. And you know, that, even though we're talking about this, these heavy um, events that could cause grieving, there are probably times where you've been grieving and you don't even realize it because the yeah. losses are more subtle. 
Um, and it could be COVID related losses, like the free loss of freedom, the loss yep. of movement, the loss of activity. Um, right now, children are going on to college, mm-hmm. you know, or getting married and they're moving from the home and that loss is, is triggering some grief and then changing jobs and positions. There are some people Definitely. now who maybe a loss of job due, due to COVID yeah. um, or maybe had to change positions. I know I did a little bit of grieving when I switched positions. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, and I know when people look at those, they don't think that that's a, there's a, a space for grief in them, but there, but there is. It is. It's a loss. It's yeah. a loss. Yeah. You know, um, you definitely have to look at all of the things that can um, accentuate those. You know, I was also looking at, we touched upon this earlier with the, the vilification of black women in some instances, but looking at the social justice issues, uh, and how we grieve what is happening, what we're seeing on TV. We saw George Floyd murdered on television. On television. You know, and that's that's something your brain has. And it's and, you know, the the media, it's it's a, it's a double edged sword because on one part, you want the media to keep you informed. But the cyclical nature of the media is traumatizing each and every time you see it. So mm-hmm. you keep reliving that and you never really you keep having that grief moment and then it's back up on the news or then you right. change something else or it's a topic of discussion. So when do you really get to grieve if it's constantly being, you know, shown to you mm-hmm. and you're being barraged with all these images of these social justice travesties and knowing that you add on to these, this could be my sister, could be my brother, could be my uncle, my husband, my, you know, it's, and the relatability for us, I think, as Black women and knowing that these things and how we internalize them, that's a grief that we live over and over and over every mm-hmm. day without, like you said, even realizing you're going through it. Right. You know, so looking at types of grief you know, feeding into this. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. There's normal grief, anticipatory grief, distorted grief. I bet y'all didn't know there were this many types. Cumulative grief, exaggerated grief, and masked grief. So we want to circle back and get into some of those. So normal grief. Yeah, I think for me specifically, I know masked grief and anticipatory grief are big. And even, um, I would say, cumulative grief, right? So with mm-hmm. anticipatory grief, it's like, it's the grief that you kind of experience with a loved one who's nearing death. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to balance a thin line between maintaining some level of hope, but then also trying to prepare for the ultimate right. Is the ultimate thing that's going to happen, which you're going to have to let go. That's what definitely happened with my mom and my grandma. It was in a lot of anticipatory grief because I knew that the end was coming. Right. right. But I was still trying to maintain some level of hope. And I am someone whose grief shows up very differently than others. It, it is almost a mass grief. Um, I also go into robot mode. So I don't tend to mm-hmm. deal with my grief right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally shut it down and I deal with it at another time. <laughs> right. Sometimes those times that never I wind come. up dealing, they never come or they do right. come at the most inopportune, most unexpected times. Right. Okay. 
Um, and so, you know, mass grief is just like when you are having symptoms, they're physical symptoms um, that you don't even realize. So like I, I developed ulcers and my mm-hmm. ulcers were were in part of stress and also grief because there was a lot of things I just wasn't dealing with. I hadn't dealt with. And so it started to show up in my life in physical ways. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the cumulative grief I've experienced where I lost, um, I was, like I said, in the last uh, episode, I was in a relationship. It had ended. Um, You know, I was still dealing with the, the ending of the relationship only to find out that that person died unexpectedly, then followed it up with my grandmother's death. So it just was like back to back to back Mm -hmm. to back. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that literally consumed me for a while. It almost ate me up. It did. It almost, it almost took me down to be perfectly honest. I'm going to be very frank with you. It almost took me down because you know, and I've said this, I've, I've, um, was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder right. and my anxiety is a, a direct correlation to my grief because mm-hmm. I don't I refuse to griefs my therapist told me that um, depression is worrying about is, is thinking about things in the future anxiety is worrying about things I mean depression is worrying is thinking about things in the past anxiety is worrying Mm -hmm. about things in the future and we need to kind of get you into the present and you know that was real for me that was like an Mm -hmm. eye-opening experience and and understanding that there were a lot of things that I was not addressing when it came to grief that was Mm -hmm. starting to spill over into other areas of my life understood um I would say for for me, cumulative grief um, is a big one for me and how I've been able to deal with it with having a chronic illness and thinking that you're fine and mm-hmm. then only to find out, boom, something else happens. Um, I've had to have four surgeries in one year. And even this most recent, um, I was hospitalized in April was like, okay, I'm good. I had a surgery, thought it was going to be great to fix whatever was wrong. And then boom, I'm back in the ER last week. So it's like you just when you're in, I was walking and you get up and you start coming back to what you think is your normal life. And then you get knocked back over with something else that you kind of know is there, but it's just like, it's never ending and it just right. keeping on. And now, you know, I got to have a surgery. So it's just like, when does it end? And it just keeps um, you you just realize your body just keeps, you know, betraying that in just in such a way. Even with with mass grief, I think for some of us, you know, that can be manifest like in folks acting out, either mm-hmm. from, they get really quiet, become a recluse, or they they subscribe to a whole bunch of sarcasm because they don't want to deal with the reality of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then there's drinking and sex, which is also acting out and you latch on to something that you feel that replaces the pain that you that you you're having and that you're going through. Right. You know, and that kind of rolls into the grieving process. Yeah. And, you know, the grieving process is something that I think is still something that is kind of foreign to some people. Mm-hmm. They or it's also misunderstood in a lot of ways. Like it's 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 an individual experience. So the way that I'm going to grieve is not going to be the same way that you'll grieve, right? And there's mm-hmm. no right or wrong way. Um and there's no 
timetable for grieving, right? People need to get out of that mindset. Well, it's been six years since, you know, this person has passed. Why are you still sad about it? What is the, why are you still living in it? There's no normal timetable for grieving. Um, It looks different for everyone. It can't be forced and it can't be hurried. You know, I was a few days ago or maybe I think it was a few days ago. I think yeah, it was like Nipsey Hussle's birthday. And Lauren London posted something to watch her grief play out in front of social media is just it's It's heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking because you see how her her partner, well, she called twin flame, was murdered. Mm-hmm. And she's even said, I'm still in the grieving process. This has been a year since this man's death. I'm still mm-hmm. grieving. And and I don't know when I'll be done. Some days is harder than others. And it's good to be vulnerable in those situations. It's good to be very vulnerable in those situations. Um, you know, during our, our research, we stumbled upon some myths and some facts about grief and the grieving process. Um, one of the myths, the pain will go away faster if you ignore it. We, we, we no, all know. That's not, not true. Does your headache It'll go faster. away? Right. Your headache go away if you just ignore it. Your stomach pains go away if you just ignore it. No. Sometimes you have to do something to make the, to, the to ease the pain or, or, or help the pain. It's not going to mm-hmm. go away if you just ignore it. It's just not. Um, that's something I had to learn because I ignored a lot of pain for a very long time. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with this. Or... Well, I saw how my grandmother dealt with her grief and her pain mm-hmm. with the losses she experienced. So I'm just going to follow that exactly. blueprint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to deal with it. Um, it's important. The one and another myth It's important to be strong in the face of loss. That's my issue specifically. Like I said, I am a robot. The, the, I can tell you when I found out my grandmother died, the, when they called us, it was like literally a switch went on and I was like in robot mode. I didn't cry. I was just like, okay, what do we have to get done? Right. I just mm-hmm. had to be strong because now I felt like I was the matriarch of the family. My mom is gone. My grandmom's gone. I'm the oldest. It's me. It's up to me. I got to be strong. I got to do it. Right. I got to step um, into that role. I do. Um, and for me, a lot of times I'm learning that this is not the case, but you know, I've always seen like crying and things like that as weakness. Mm-hmm. That's something that I had to untrain in my right, brain. Because it's um, not. It's not. Um, and it doesn't mean you're weak if you feel sad or lonely not or depressed or frightened. It doesn't mean you're that. human. You are. There's a lot of strength in being vulnerable. It takes a yeah. lot of strength to be vulnerable. Extremely. It does. Extremely. Um, right. Um, we t- we talked about this briefly. Grieving has a timetable. It does not. That is a myth. There is no timetable. Mm-hmm. Um, don't impose timetables on people in your life who are going through grief. And don't impose a timetable on yourself. It's a process. And let yourself go through that process. Whatever that may be. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then moving on with your life means forgetting about your loss. That's not true. Not at all. It's not true. Um, people have a lot of problems with, like, tech, like digesting this one I think and you know why I think there is um that's also tied into something that I didn't even know was a word and I don't know if the if the New York Times made it up or if it's really a word mm-hmm. but it's something called amber guilt and it's the guilt over feeling um ambivalent at the death of a family member 
right? So mm-hmm. if somebody dies and you just like don't feel anything or you don't feel like you've, you're grieving or you don't feel like you're grieving in the way that you should grieve, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody thinks that grief looks one way. Um, I had a, a, a conversation with a friend recently and we were talking about her grieving process and how she felt that she wasn't, she's like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not right. grieving. I don't, I don't know if, if it's just because I didn't care about this situation or it just right. wasn't what I thought it was. I just don't know. And I had to explain to them, I've seen your grief. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it because you're expecting it to show up in A this package. Right. But I've seen it and it shows up and here's how it shows up. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, and then, you know, having that conversation was just like, oh, oh shit. Right. That is. The light goes on. Because, you know, you again, when you're taught or you're trained or you watch your elders, your Mm -hmm. parents go through their grieving process, you assume, oh, that's how I'm supposed supposed to grieve. And I'm not grieving that way. So obviously I don't care about this person or I don't care about this situation. And that's false. Always. It's always false. Let My grief for me shows up sometimes in anger. It happens a I lot with more people angry. than not. I was angry. I remember a specific situation. I went on a trip with some friends and we were having a conversation <laughs> and the friend is actually in the video. So she's laughing right now because she knows where I'm going with this. And we were having this conversation about some of the recent events in my life. And I was getting angry, right? I was getting angry that we were having this conversation and I like flipped out. I like flipped out and I just was like, I said some stuff was just like crazy. Like, I don't care if we ever speak again. I don't care. I don't care. And it was like, you don't care. No, I don't. And it was like, I went into like shut down robot mode. And I realized in that moment, oh crap, that was my grief. That had nothing to do with what they were talking about. Right. It was just, I, I wasn't dealing with my shit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't dealing with my grief. I kept putting it on a shelf saying I was going to deal with it later, deal with it later, deal with it later. And I just didn't deal with it. Mm. I just didn't deal with it. I was dealing with anticipatory grief because my grandma was in the situation she was in. I was still dealing with the grief of my mom dying. Mm-hmm. And here I am at this point, what, late 30s? A relationship yeah. that had ended that I knew was a terrible relationship for me to be in. And it was not a grief over I still wanted to be with that person it's just that I was in this relationship for so long like an idiot I'm right it's a loss of behavior yes yes so you know um the the myths I think are important to highlight because these are things that people believe every day wholeheartedly yeah definitely and I think looking at that when you're definitely with the time frame, um, what you were saying about Lauren London. Um, yesterday I made a post on uh, Facebook and uh, it was kind of crazy that normally, I mean, I talk about my endo and stuff like that, but a year ago yesterday, a year ago yesterday, I went to, I had a hysterectomy. And unfortunately, the hysterectomy did not go as planned. Um, And I'm still dealing with the things and the side effects and the complications now of it. But there was a period of grief in that 
I'm having to deal with the loss of what may some may say is your perceived womanhood because I no longer have those parts, right? And psychologically what that does to you or what it can do to you is a lot. And then to be reminded um, a year later that you're still dealing with the situation of the complications is a lot. Being reminded that you won't be able to have, you know, to, to have kids or or those types of things. You grieve those losses of your physical person. And it's I see it mm-hmm. when um I I'm at the hospital at um Walter Reed, my husband is a retired veteran, and you see the other wounded warriors walking around and you know that they're grieving their you can tell while they're going walking through with their um either in their wheelchairs or their prosthetics that you see certain times in their face, they're grieving the loss of those limbs. And that's, that's another form of grief that I don't think a lot of us necessarily think of and that Mm -hmm. we think that you should get over in that particular timetable. But, you know, I would consider myself an empath. So when folks grieve, I tend to feel it and it kind of takes me down. So sometimes I become a little bit of a recluse and then, or I just get, the energy of those individuals' fears and sadness kind of makes me, gives me low energy and I just want to sit around. I am a crier, so I will cry, like, <laughs> quick fast. <thing. laughs> it takes a lot for me to cry, although Z knows there is one time that she, had, because I don't cry that often in front of my friends. I'm usually the... Oh, the... yeah, that one time you cried, you called me crying, I thought you were high. And yes, I <laughs> I was like, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't. She, she wasn't, but I was like, everybody was like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know. I think she had, I don't know. Like, cause I That's just how had... often I don't show my friends, some of my girlfriends that side of me because I take in a lot, but I mean, I cry by myself a lot. That whole crying in, in the car. I'm a champ at that. Yeah. Or in the bathroom. <laughs> but that was funny. It was, was and like, it's funny. She was like, see, I don't, I think she's high. Yeah. And it's also funny knowing me that I'm not as as empathetic as you are and I'm not an empath and and that's not something I'm proud of. I just am not. So it was very like I felt bad afterwards because it was very flippant. I was like, I don't know. I think she had. I don't know. (laughs) Meanwhile, she having a whole breakdown. (laughs) A whole breakdown on the other side of the phone. A whole other breakdown. And her other girlfriend comes in and she quickly assesses the issue. And she's like, okay, so is it this? Is it this? And I was you like, to come get you? Okay. I was like, oh shit, my bad. Like, <laughs> this shit was so she funny. really needed me. I feel bad. <laughs> but it's funny. It, it speaks to how we both deal with grief and sadness because mine is very different, you know, how I deal mm-hmm. with it and out, outwardly. Uh, and, and going into the stages of grief, this was developed by Elizabeth Coover Ross. So as Z alluded to before and stated, Z, um, it's not a straight line. It's a, ro- <laughs> it's a roller coaster of toddlers doodles. I love it. Like that whole success map that I know you've seen that you think it's a mm-hmm. straight line and it's all over the place and people have no idea, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's full of highs and lows. So there's denial anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And all of those seem to, sometimes they seem to come all at once. Sometimes. You know, 
Sometimes. And you're trying to minimize with the denial, you know, and you just keep acting like everything's wrong. And Z talked about that whole ignoring it part. And that's where mm-hmm. the denial comes in with people, you know, you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm just going to keep going. Everything's gravy. And it's not. And then the anger that Z spoke to, you know, you, you have to adjust to that new reality and it causes you some discomfort emotionally. And you have to, for some folks, they lash out or they just Mm -hmm. lash in and then they're self-destructive, unfortunately, Mm. and end up hurting themselves. Um, And then those around them without realizing, you know, what, what is, that they're what is they're dealing with is actual grief. There's a bargaining portion, which I think we've all, if anybody has been in any type of grief, we know that bargaining is huge. Like it goes with the myth of, um, so basically we're trying to figure out what the bargaining chip can be as far as if you help this person get through this, I'll do X, Y, and Z to help your, help yourself feel better. And this mm-hmm. often comes into play when there's illness, chronic illness, or you like you're you're with someone in their last days, and then the depression circles back. And you know, when we're looking at depression, and it happens when the emotional part of what you're going through becomes clear, but you're set back in reliving the past and woulda, coulda, shouldas, mm-hmm. and realizing that you couldn't have done, you could have done this, you could have done that, but you were not able to. Um, you know, and it's that's probably a pretty uh big one because when it comes to depression in black women, black men, it is something we do not talk about at all, and no. we don't talk about enough. And I think a lot of us get stuck here, and because we don't even know what it is, and it mm-hmm. is depression. And you know, I think Z and I have have been through the 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 courses of life that have left us in a depressive state. For for our short periods of time, long periods of times, I mean, and we've been able to get to a point where we acknowledge that because we both have therapists. We both talk to people. We both try mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on and how to get past that next hurdle. Yeah. And and having those conversations with our girlfriends that, hey, you know, you need a therapist. We need to talk about this, you know. Right. And, you know, for me, I switch therapists, um, be, you know, and the therapist I have now is someone who actually helps me acknowledge the fact that I had not been grieving. And that's probably what some of the, like some things that I started to see why those things were showing up in my life, because I hadn't really grieved in the way that I, I think I needed to. Like, I think for me, I stayed in a state of anger for a very long time, (laughs) a very long time. I was just angry at everything. I was angry at the world. I'll be very frank and very honest and I think I've probably shared this with some of y'all. Like I would be mm-hmm. angry if we were having a conversation and somebody in the group would start complaining about their mom. I would get pissed. I would get so angry because I'm like, well, I, I wouldn't be, in my mind. I'm saying, well, at least you have a mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, that but that's not that's not fair. And I had to realize like that that's me not dealing with my own stuff and my own issues like I can't be projecting that anger on them they have every right to say that their mother is getting on their nerves because she probably is mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure if my mom would have you know was still alive I'd be saying the same thing and it was something that I had to really work on and really get to like um I remember her and this is just bargaining is always one of those things that like 
we do that, right? We say, if you get this person through this, you know, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. We do that all the time. You know, whatever higher power you believe in. I remember watching a a Golden Girls episode and Rose was in the hospital. You know, that's, that's my show. Um, And, you know, Rose is in the hospital for some heart issue. And so Blanche was praying and she was praying to God. And she's like, she never prayed before. And she told God if she if he spared Rose, she would never sleep with a man again unless he really, really needed it. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember laughing at that scene. And I remember the doctor came out to try to talk, you know, try to, he was hollering at her. He asked her out to dinner. And she's like, well, do you really need it? I mean, do you really, really need it? And he was like, no. And she was just like, well, then I can't do it. And then she looked up in the in the air and she was like, oh, you are a vengeful God. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember, I that, remember episode. that episode and I think about that. And that's what a lot of us do. Right. And that's not <laughs> how this works. Right? No. That's, not that's not how, how life works. That's not how any of this works. No. Like you cannot bargain, you know, your way out of these situations. Like right. it's death is inevitable. Loss is inevitable. Right. And you have to that's where the acceptance comes in you have to accept it but accepting it doesn't mean that you just forget about it and you don't right. deal with the the grief of it all it just means you accept that this loss has has come and you don't resist the reality of the situation anymore right it is and it's hard for people to get to that point it is very you know it takes years mm-hmm. but i mean even when when you're when you're talking about that that process that you had to go through Z how at what point did you know like I need to get this together like what went off because a lot of times (laughs) you know like where we tell each other this and we're like telling our listeners that these are some things that we go through but to have the wherewithal to know it's time uh when I had that blowout on vacation with my two friends that's what I knew that something just wasn't right it wasn't me you know what I mean? Like it was almost like an outer body experience. Like I was mm-hmm. watching the situation unfold, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I I had to understand that where they, they were coming from a good place, but I just wasn't in a position that I was ready to receive, receive it. it. Right. And I was going through these this this grief period that I didn't want to deal with. So I kept like pushing it away and like realizing like the, the stress of the situation around my grandmother and, you know, me and my sister had power of attorney over my grandmother. Something we'll talk about in a, in a later episode, Mm -hmm. dealing with the responsibility of that while also dealing with my own personal losses. It just, it just, it was, it was too much to, to, to bear it was too right. much to handle and it just all came out and then that's when I realized I needed to to seek some type of help and then right. that's when I started therapy and then that's when I found out I had like a general anxiety disorder um and you know and that therapist got me as far as they could get me but then I, mm-hmm. I realized there was more work that I needed to do and that therapist couldn't get me to that right. place so then I switched therapists to the one that I have now um that's and a it's a lot of you make though about switching therapists yes you don't have to like people get just like friendships they're there for mm-hmm. these some of the some are there for a season and a reason and therapists are no different right and i'm not called the hood dolly Lama <laughs> <laughs> just for you know shits and giggles it's because i do a lot of self i do a lot of work with myself and i work 
on myself to be a better person. And I'm always trying to elevate myself to that next level. I'm very self-aware. So I know what my issues are. I know what my flaws are. I'll mm-hmm. tell you them. If, if if Look, I told my husband when we first met, here it is all on the table. Here's my shit. <laughs> right. Here's it all on the table. I'm laying That's it being all vulnerable. out for you. Yeah. If this isn't what you can deal with, it's cool. Mm-hmm. You go your way, I go my way. No hard feelings. But I did a PowerPoint for mine, so I. I know it. you did. I, know. <laughs> I saw that PowerPoint, so I understood. This. <laughs> and at first, I was like, "Ooh, this bitch crazy!" But then I understood yes. the necessity, and then you I had find to, because you know now you can't say that you didn't know. Exactly. Now that it's all out there, if 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 a situation arises, you can't say you didn't know. And and now, but also in the same, you can help me through these things, right? right? You can mm-hmm. you can understand that this is still what I'm going through. This is still what I'm I'm dealing with. I'm still grieving to this day with my over my mm-hmm. the loss of my mom and my grandma. And it's for different it's for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 let's let's also put into context I lost my grandfather, who was a patriarchal figure for me. A year later, I lost my my mom. I was in college. I was actually about to, I think I was on my way. I was graduate. Mm-hmm. I lost my grandfather when I graduated, right? Like towards when I was graduating. I lost my mom my first semester in law school. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I lost, like I said, I was in that relationship for a very long time. And this was somebody I know since I was 18 years old. That relationship ended and then they died. And then I lost my grandmother. So I've experienced losses in capacities that I didn't even understand people could experience loss. You understand what I'm saying? And and sometimes so close together. So when I'm telling you I didn't deal with my grief, you have to understand I didn't do at at what, 19, 12, no, 21. How are you supposed to process that? Right. And again, at that time, going to therapy wasn't normalized. So you wasn't going to catch me in no therapist's office right. talking about my feelings. You just, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen. So what happened? I turned angry. I lashed out at a lot of people during that time. There are a lot of people that I had to make amends with mm-hmm. later on in life because of the issues I was going through. I'll even tell you when I was, when I had my daughter, Charlie, one of my friends from, um, you know, high school came to visit. Because it was supposed to be the weekend of my baby shower. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my daughter unexpectedly. (laughs) And she came and we had a conversation. And I let her, I, you know, told her I just wasn't in a good place at that time. Right. And a lot of, uh, and because we had like a little, we had kind of like a little tiff of falling out. There was something I did to her that was just mean, mean spirited. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just wasn't in the right place. And here's why. And right. I'm sorry for being an asshole. I'm sorry for being that person. I'm not that person anymore, but this is what it stemmed from. Right. I had to do a lot of a lot of amends. So um it's maybe somebody's listening to this is going through the same thing and trying to figure out why they're acting this way. Look at your life. Are you grieving something? Do an inventory. Do an inventory. Is it a big grief? Is it, I mean, is it a big loss? Or is, is it, it a lot a, of little losses? Right, that you just haven't dealt with. Mm-hmm. That's can't ignore real. it. You can't ignore it forever. You it can't. will. It will surface at some point. It will definitely surface. Um, and and it'll surface in symptoms, right, of mm-hmm. grief. We will have symptoms of grief, and sometimes not even know that that's what it's attributed to. 
you know, there, there are things that are identifiable when we're talking about grief and symptoms, right? Shock and disbelief, sadness, mm-hmm. guilt, anger, fear. But there are some physical symptoms of grief that a lot of us don't even realize. Fatigue, right. nausea, your immunity gets lowered during this time. You can experience weight loss or weight gain. Mm-hmm. You'll have aches and pains. Oh, oh yes. And insomnia. I know insomnia Ooh. for you is probably top on the list. Man, list. I'll be up for three days straight. And just my doctor's like, um, I'm a, you're suffering from sleep deprivation. You probably shouldn't be driving. But, you know, and the aches and pains, the weight loss. That first time that I broke up, when I had a, that boyfriend in college and I broke up for the very, very first time. And he was my first boyfriend. I lost so much weight. I thought I thought the love heart was it the heartbreak diet. I just <laughs> oh lord, me and my sister were the same size, <laughs> and I'm a thick girl. I'm a thick woman, so that right there, and I got down to a, a itty bitty size six or seven. Whew, that diet right there, and the aches and the pains, and I thought my life was over, and then it happened again six years later <laughs> with the same person. <laughs> And at that time, it wasn't a good thing because I was I was working in a psychiatric hospital for children. So that kind of actually helped reprioritize my life mm. from where I thought my sadness was. I definitely was not in a good place. My parents were like, you need to get this this mood thing. I moved home for a year and worked in this facility because I thought I um, my degrees in abnormal psych and I thought I want, wanted to be a psychologist in the direct care sense. That was that was it. That's that. No, 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 and no. So after that stint, and you see, and you see, kids that are really going through some stuff. It did put some things in perspective for me. Um, although I did gain some weight, that was on the other side of the spectrum, you know. And the and then the aches and pains and that insomnia. Whew. Yeah, that that's no joke. Mm-mm. And and you really the tea definitely. Um, that's when I started getting into tea because it helped me go to sleep. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes. Well, tea definitely is something that can help you with insomnia, depending on the type of tea you drink, of course. Um, of course. Yeah. Of course. And that, and that kind of goes into the other mechanisms that you can utilize while you're supporting your grief. Mm-hmm. We talked about our family and friends and, you know, Z and I have all been through that and been able to support each other throughout pretty much since we've been in college till till now, till we've had our grown women uh, challenges and issues. One thing I think um, we talked about therapy, facing your feelings, which I, you know, shot that question to Z about how do you know mm-hmm. and, you know, looking to maintain your hobbies and interests. If you don't have one, maybe get into one. I paint um, which is I decorate and, you know, I draw. Those are my outlets for myself. And, you know, looking into a support group. Support groups are great. I was in a, I am and still am in a support group for endometriosis. I'm in a couple different ones. And, and it actually was much more cathartic than I anticipated because I'm like, why am I going to go and Facebook and talk to these women that I don't know about my innermost angst and being upset, but I realize there's no judgment. Everybody understands what I'm talking about. I'm not complaining where I might feel like, uh, 
with everything with my health issues, not everybody wants to hear that all the time. That's a lot for me. And that's my reality. But that's not Mm -hmm. something I always want to talk about with my girlfriend. Right. So having that support group and having women who understand exactly what you're going through is is so invaluable. I cannot stress the importance and the value of support groups. They've been great. And, you know, we said staying active, go for a walk, try to sleep if you don't have insomnia and eating properly. A lot of us, um, I know I'm an emotional eater. And Me too. Woo, Me that, too. I will sit there and finish a whole tub of ice cream. I think a not, lot of us yogurt, are emotional Yogurt, yogurt. And, <laughs> and just, yeah. Yogurt, bitch, I'm going to eat a pint of ice cream. I don't know. If <laughs> the the frozen yogurt. kind, the frozen yogurt, like from Cold Stone or... Um, Nasis. Rita's. Mm. Rita's. Yeah. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, that's my preference. That's my preference. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, um, and talking about your feelings, and, you know, that goes into the support group or your your faith. And faith can be a tricky one mm. because not everybody subscribes to whatever faith you may have. That's true. So practicing mindfulness and being aware, having that quiet time for yourself, maybe more up your alley than saying uh, some sort of organized religion, which doesn't always, excuse me, work with everybody. And I think folks need to really understand that, that those that are there to support people, trying not to shove those things down mm-hmm. individuals throat, you know, throat, so to speak, it's it's just something that we, you know, and we'll definitely dive into that in a little bit, but just be mindful when we're talking about that. But whatever your faith may be and holding to that and subscribing to it to help you get through. And a big one is triggers. Try to plan ahead. Mm. Try to plan ahead. Like, Ooh. like Z knew what the dates were coming up. I knew what my date was coming up yesterday. And for those, if it's a death of uh, of a loved one, when they have their birthdays or you've had an anniversary with them, those are all triggers. And how can you best secure yourself right. to do that? And, you know, we have a friend who experienced uh, a loss not too long ago and, you know, mm-hmm. having the conversation with them, they said, oh, when it was coming around the anniversary of the death, I blocked everybody, shut my phone down, turned it off because I wasn't going to deal with it because I didn't want to deal with what I knew was going to come on that day, especially from people who hadn't checked on me the whole year. Don't call that's, me now. Yeah, Don't that's a big one. Now. That's a that's big something one. We wanna talk, that's something we want to talk yeah, about. Later. We're going to dive into that one. We can actually, we can get into that right now because this yes. actually ties into a lot of what we're talking about. Like, you know, you got to support yourself through grief, but learn how to support others through their grief. Mm-hmm. Don't encourage people to just get over it. Remember, it's not about you. A lot of times we want to talk about our own grief stories mm-hmm. when somebody's telling us how they feel. It's not about you. It's about right. them. And I know it's uncomfortable and sometimes you don't know what to say. So you just go back to what you know, but try to hold off. Right. Try to hold um, off. There is no uh, bright side. And I know that's one thing that some people, it's hard for people to understand. Oh, at least she's not suffering anymore. Unhelpful. Don't say that. Oh, at least he didn't die suddenly. You Mm -hmm. knew it was coming. So you had time to prepare. Unhelpful. Well, at least you have other children. If, if, if somebody's facing Mm -hmm. fertility or, 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 issues or miscarriage. You can have my kids. Take mine. Here, take, we don't want to hear that. 
unhelpful, unhelpful. Um, you know, don't tell a grieving person how to feel. That's important. Um, don't say anything to diminish it. Oh, it's just a stepmom. Oh, you weren't that close to them like you used to be. Right. Don't. Why? Don't say that. You don't know. You don't know what that right. person is or where there where that relationship was left. Right. Um, acknowledge just how bad it really is. Right. Just acknowledge that it's bad. And then this one I feel like is most important because I've seen this happen to someone in their life when they were grieving. Give little and often, but also don't offer what you can't provide. Right. If you can't provide the su- support that you're saying out of your mouth, if you know you can't do it, don't then don't say it. Say it. Please because don't. what you've done is put somebody in a position that they may not need you right then and there. Mm-hmm. But if you tell them, I'm going to be here for you, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to come by your house every day, I'm going to cook for you, I'm going to come and clean your house once a month because mm-hmm. I know you're just, people say a lot of things. Right. But if you can't follow through, all you've done is hurt somebody more as they're trying to get through this grieving process. Don't so do true. it. Right. Don't do it. You know, you mean may mean well, but, and then let that person help dictate what they need from you. Right. You know? Let them say, just say, hey, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I can help you through this. But when and if you need me, I'll be there. Right. Just know. A lot of times some people aren't going to may not call you. You know but what I'm saying? it's nice to have that option in that context. But it's nice for that person to be yes. there. And do it because you want to help that person, not because you feel like you're you're obligated or you feel like if it comes off, trust me, a grieving person is going to know if you're just doing it because you really care about them or right. you're doing it for some ulterior motive. So true. Because so grief will expose a lot of people. Ooh, doesn't it though? That's hard. Can we can we get a? It will expose people in your life. It will, and I, I I've mean, seen it. It will. It'll show um, weddings and funerals and grief surrounding those things, births, all of that. New house, new degree. You're excited about something. Anything where or you're upset about how things didn't work out that will definitely showcase where people stand with you and how they feel about you and what their their intentions are for you right but it's okay weed them out weed yep. them out keep it moving keep it moving so things to remember as we're you know looking in into these different aspects of grief it won't but it won't be like this forever you know and you'd be surprised how strong you are when you don't think you can go on. You will a lot of times find the strength that you just knew wasn't there. And somehow you're able to get through that next minute, that next hour, that next day. Because sometimes we have to take it minute by minute, second by second to get through grief. But also with that, be gentle with yourself. Give yourself a break. You know, understand that you're going through things you're physically, mentally, spiritually, all of those things are happening at the same time. So you really have to be mindful of where those things put you emotionally and physically. And, you know, there's going to be times where you're going to have really good days and and everything's going to go great and it's not going to seem that anything's bothering you. And then there'll be a week 
or another cycle where things don't feel like that. And, you know, what you're going through is normal. You're human. It's to be expected. And don't subscribe to what media says, what your family may say, friends, social, I mean, whatever society may say and dictate what you should or shouldn't be doing during grief. That's not something for you to subscribe to because you got to get through what you need to get through, how you get through it the best way you know how. So, and out of grief can come a lot of things. Some people start foundations. Some people start their life in a whole Mm -hmm. other direction. I started a company um, for myself out of my grief and out of my pain and understanding, you know, going back to that, everybody grieves. So you're not alone. Everybody grieves something Mm -hmm. somewhere. And, you know, I, I didn't get to touch. I meant to touch on this. When we're not, we're not just talking about people grief or illness grief. We're talking about pets too. People grieve pets as because they are members of the family. I've mm-hmm. gone through that twice, unfortunately. So you, it is a real feeling. It should not be discounted. Some people may be flippant with it and how you deal, but you're not alone. There's communities that you can reach out to that are going through the same thing and that can provide support. So I really think that's something to kind of like meditate on and and understand that you can give yourself a break so we're going to take speaking of breaks we're going to take a quick break and come back with our last sip of the day and we're back this is the last sip of the day with your hood Dalai Lama grief is like the ocean it comes on waves ebbing and flowing sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it is overwhelming all we can do is learn to swim and that is attributed to Vicki Harrison so grief is more than just sadness it can be a shape shifter manifesting itself in the form of immense emotional and physical suffering grief is never a straight line It can attack without warning and leave us gasping for air. The only cure for grief is to grieve. So allow yourself to do so. The process can be hard. The weight of it all can feel like too much to bear. You will experience sadness, emptiness, and anger. But I promise you, you will survive. Take a deep breath and know these feelings can't break you. You are resilient. If you are feeling hopeless, embrace it and then take action. And that's the last sip of tea with your hood Dalai Lama. Thank you for joining us this week on Sipping Tea with Nat and Z. You can follow us on Instagram and Sipping. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I can't read. Uh, You can follow (laughs) us on Instagram at Sipping Tea Nat and Z underscore pod. Um, And you can follow us for upcoming podcast topics. Yes. And news. So Natalie, you want to take us out with a thank you? Sure. Thanks for listening and see you next episode where we will we will be discussing getting your affairs in order ladies get information and get your stuff in order enjoy your week and take care <laughs>